to this Mumbrellacast live special edition. For this bonus episode, we're bringing you a recording from last week's Mumbrella 360 event featuring Mim Hasem, CMO and Executive General Manager for Brand and Marketing at Suncorp Group and Nick Garrett, Creative Partner at Deloitte Digital. Thanks to everyone that showed up across the two days last week and to those also who showed up to the session. Anyway, I won't deliberate any longer. Let's get straight into it. Enjoy. Thank you, Kalila. And um, yeah, again, welcome. You've heard the title and everything there. Um, yeah, with the long-awaited return of Mumbrella 360 in person, we were pleased to have the opportunity to also return the podcast to its live edition. Um, you've already had the intros here of Mim and Nick, uh, so thank you both for joining me and welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having us. How are you both doing today? Good, Good mate. Thank you for having yeah. Thank you for having us. Nice to be here again. Uh, nice to be at an event with scale and uh, a wonderful opportunity to bump into so many old faces and uh, colleagues. And seeing real faces, it's so nice. <laughs> so um, let's take it back five years or so. And you were both in relatively different roles then. You were both leading um, tr- sort of more traditional creative agencies. Nick, you were at Clemenger, BBDO, and Mim, you were at um, MNC, Saatchi. Now, fast forward five years, Mim, you're heading up one of the biggest uh, brands in Australia from their marketing side of things. And Nick, you are a creative partner at um, one of the big disruptors in our media and marketing industry, that being Deloitte's creative brand arm. Just so the audience, who I'm sure a lot of them already are very well versed in who you are and what you do. Um, Nick, we'll start with you. You left Clemenger in 2019 after what you must have felt like you had achieved pretty much everything you wanted to over that past 10 years in the group. Um, You then lent your services to, uh, I guess, a lot of different businesses and outfits across your two-year or so sabbatical, ultimately saying yes to that Deloitte digital role last year. And at the time, um, you told me when you were hired that you had one proper sprint left in you. And I think you said the the quote was, um, the best album you'll be part of hasn't been made yet. Um, Why did you think Deloitte Digital was the place to help you deliver that? Cool. Uh, Good question. Hard question first. I might sort of backtrack a bit. I love agencies. I passionately believe in the creative industry, and I think creativity is the one thing that differentiates people, businesses, and brands, and it should be put on a pedestal, and we're all creative, um, and creativity is only going to blossom more and more. Um, I'd spent nine years, double-digit growth every year, working across Colenso BBDO and Clemenger BBDO, and we were number one agency in the world three times over that decade. So. It was a pretty good innings, but I didn't like what I saw ahead. Um, and in that last year, I couldn't see myself in the mirror of the company that I thought I had my DNA on. And when you can't see yourself in the business you're running, you've got to get out because you've become a bad boss, <laughs> um, a bad leader. And if you're not inspired where the vision you're going and the things you're trying to change and you can't change them, you shouldn't be there. And so getting out wasn't that complicated. Working out what was next was deeply complicated. 
I thought I'd take a year out. Uh, COVID came and kicked me in the ass, and I didn't go and do all these amazing things around the world that I thought I would do. And um, I stumbled into uh, consulting for myself for 18 months. And I realized with agencies, my belief in creativity as an asset, we all, I think the industry squashed us thinking only the creative department's creative, and I fundamentally think that's the biggest pile of bullshit in the world. Um, we're all creative, we all contribute to creativity, but I also think the other thing, the industry, and I'm guilty of it, allowing myself to feel this, and Mim's a great example of someone who's expanded horizons and grown out of um, you know, the previous incarnation of what your career was. We are such reductionist thinkers of what we can do, and we limit ourselves to thinking that we are good in agency services or good in marketing services or whatever. The amount of knowledge we have, the cross-category experience, that ability to spot ideas, differentiate, and be useful from an entrepreneurial business strategy, innovative sense, is extraordinary. And I didn't realize I probably had lost a bit of that confidence yeah. in agency world, and I couldn't see it. And suddenly, I was being asked by old ex-CEOs of large clients I'd worked with for help behind the scenes in business strategy. I was getting asked to work on the west coast of America. I had clients in Saudi Arabia. I had clients in Europe. I was like, it was a totally different world. I was like, wow, there is this thing where all the skills we were really good at in the past are really useful in a new life. And I felt like a completely rejuvenated person with a new lease of life. So I guess that was the long way of getting back to why consulting is. I knew I was going to land in big C, which is consulting, or little C, which is small creative consulting. I chose not to move overseas for life, COVID reasons, and other bits and pieces. And <clears throat> I had friends at Deloitte, and they, back, they banged on the door a few times. It took me nine months to sort of get through that process with them to say yes and feel comfortable. But um, I wanted to be in an organization that did two things. One, I didn't want to ever present ideas I believed in that I'm passionate about, and I think were business strategy or enterprise-wide transformation ideas and feel stupid in front of an exec or a board because I would say, I think, and I wanted to be able to have the absolute brutal clarity of being able to say, I know, and having subject matter experts, business strategy minds, and people that could map the impact and potential impact of an idea. And I can now see that. And I wanted to be able to make the things that we used to present in agency world that I would then hand over to somebody else to make because we had no technical capability uh, and no real scale to be able to do it. And that became really alluring. And you go, if you put creativity in the, so in the middle, surrounded by extraordinary business strategy and extreme technical and execution capability, it felt like those three things together upstream, you could have more influence and do more things that matter. Yeah, and there's a, there's a few things that you've kind of touched on there which we will get into a bit later. But before that, Mim, um, the creative or the agency to, to client pipeline is a path well trodden. Mm -hmm. But um, I guess a pretty sweet gig that you managed to land. Um, you, 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 you have, I guess, multiple brands within that, uh, that structure there. And when you were approached, how did, first of all, how did that come about? And did you have an idea of how you wanted to shape that brand moving forward when you, I guess, were deliberating over whether or not to, to make that jump? 
Yeah, well, first of all, I wasn't approached. I had to fall like hell to get this job. <laughs> um, so I, there are some similarities in our stories. Um, you know, I've, I've grown up in agencies and I adored it. Loved working in agencies, loved the diversity of the clients I got to work on. Um, in the later years of my agency side career, before I was running MNC, I was managing partner on ComBank. And then for four years before that, I was regional group head on ANZ around Asia Pack. Um, so you could say that sort of towards the end before I was running the agency, my specialty was going into big complex organisations, getting really close to the client's business and helping to drive their creative strategy and their creative outcomes. And I loved it. I loved being really deep in the client's business. And my whole career, I aspired to running an agency. And then I got the job and I absolutely bloody hated it. <laughs> I hated it. And so I had a bit of a crisis because I was like, what do I do now? I didn't love it because it was all about the P&L and all about the pitch. And what I love being really close and deep with was the clients, the strategy and the creative. Um, and all of a sudden I was really distant from that. Um, so I had a bit of a, a, a crisis, career crisis, where I thought, well, what do I do now? I'm running at the time, arguably, Australia's biggest creative agency and, and I can't go backwards. Um, so I made a call to, to take a different pathway and to not just get back closer to the client's business, but I felt like I could really create impact and influence if I became the client. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a gamble. Um, I left MNC without this role to go to. I got told by a lot of people, agency people will never uh, succeed and get a job as a CMO. Um, and so I literally had to work to find this job. Uh, you know, I spent four months talking to lots of people, talking to lots of recruiters. Um, Hooligans actually put me in this role. And when Karen Taylor told me about the job, I got butterflies and I was like, that's it, that's the one. Um, I talked to lots of people about lots of roles and hadn't felt like anything had been presented to me that I, I really wanted. And, you know, four months in, I was starting to get a bit edgy. <laughs> um, but I knew as soon as I heard about this role, I knew it was the right role. Um, I was in financial services, which I love. It's nine brands. So it had breadth and complexity, which I wanted. Um, and so, yeah, so, so I fought pretty hard to get this role. <laughs> and I love it. And I've got a great team and great brands. And I, I'm, I think we're doing great work. I'm really proud of it. Well, I think, you you know, you mentioned great work. You were sort of, uh, I wouldn't use the word vindicated, but you were celebrated uh, last month in Cannes when uh, you won a Grand Prix with um, Leo Burnett and you also won a Gold Lion with Ogilvy. Mm -hmm. um, I guess pretty unique to have your two agencies kind of come home and um, deliver you some pretty great award-winning work. Can you... We spoke before, you know, we've actually uh, come on stage here about, I guess, the big idea. And I don't know if, uh, you know, everyone has their different opinions on the work at Cannes. But um, you sort of said that these weren't just cut and paste campaigns. They were grounded in a, a sort of pillar. Would you be able to talk about, I guess, what the strategy was there and then how you actually went about delivering that? Yeah. Um, so we won five Lions out of 16 yep. that came back to Australia. Um, and that was across two campaigns. Um, Give her which, a round of applause. Uh, <laughs> my team's here. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we won for a campaign called One House for Suncorp and one for Amy called Rest Towns. And I'll, I'll explain them a little bit in, in a second. Um, 
what is similar about... They're two very different campaigns, by the way, but what is similar about them is they both start from um, an anchor of the organisation's purpose, which is about building futures and protecting what matters. And the way we think about our work at Suncorp is what is the business strategy, how does that ladder down to the brand strategy and then the brief and then the work. Um, and both of those pieces of work were very much anchored in the purpose of the organisation, the purpose of the brands and therefore the strategic pillars that underpin those brands. So one house, um, the brief for one house was around, you know, seeing what's happening in Queensland with the huge volume of weather events and the impact on customers and communities. What we see is um, the longer our customers are out of their homes after a weather event, the more significant and devastating the social, economic, mental health issues, the list goes on. And it gets worse the longer they're out of their homes. And so we wanted to not just think about how do we support them after an event, but how do we actually make their homes more resilient so that when they do get impacted by a weather event, they are not displaced from their home for as long. Their homes are more resilient. So resilience is one of our strategic pillars and the brief to the agency, historically we'd done storm season campaigns of how to prepare your home for storm season. That was the brief to the agency and one house was one of the activations. Um, it was a much smaller scale idea than it ended up being, but we saw um, the, uh, the opportunity and potential in it and we said let's take that out of an activation and pull it out and scope it out properly and if we really did it properly and collaborated with people who are experts in this area, could we build a more resilient house or work out what the resilience features are to get people back in their homes faster? So that was anchored in the resilience pil pillar and I think you can see really clearly how building futures and protecting what matters, it all ladders up to that. Amy, slightly different, still has the group um, yep. purpose of building futures and protecting what matters. Um, but one of Amy's strategic pillars is road safety. And so Rest Towns was an idea where we could see an increase in people taking long road trips um, post-COVID. You know, you couldn't fly, but people were doing long road trips. So we wanted to remind people to stop and take a rest because there's actually um, one of the biggest contributors to road fatalities is fatigue. So we saw an opportunity to talk to customers, use media, Spotify, out of home in a really um, innovative way to tell people to take a rest. But the idea was really lovely. It was, if you're in near rural towns, go off the freeway, have a proper rest and go and visit Callum's Cake House and get your cake and support those regional communities who have also recently been impacted yeah. by bushfires and COVID and are struggling financially. Um, so you can see that that was anchored in the pillar of road safety, again, um, all about protecting uh, and building futures. And um, so I think you can see the work is really, it's anchored in the purpose and then it's anchored in one of the strategic pillars that underpins that purpose, which is bespoke to the brand. Nick. Not that it's the, the be-all and end-all marker of success from creative agencies, but when one brand is bringing home one-third of the awards from Cannes and, you know, you, you look at the, the figures for Australian agencies over the last few um, editions of that festival, it's, it has been steadily decline, declining. What has changed there, do you think? Do you think people are not having those kind of deep strategic ideas to actually build campaigns? Um, in reference to Australia, yeah. uh, 
I think the quality of Australian communication has been declining for 10, 15 years at a pretty rapid rate. I said that, I think, on a stage like this at a Mumbrella event a few years ago. Um, I think we've reduced the role, and Mim and I were talking about this in a bit of detail, Mim's the exam opposite example of what I'm about to say, marketing's role in the boardroom as a driver of growth and innovation has diminished. We've become short-term and tactical. We're hiding behind technology uh, instead of being strategic, bold, and brand-driven and using brand as a business strategy, not as a marketing strategy. And all of these things are happening at glacial pace. So quarter by quarter, six months by six months, we can't see it. I've lost this thing. Um, anyway, there you go. Oh, hang I'll on. speak. Thanks, Mim. There we go. I'll look at this team effort. <laughs> That's collaboration, guys. Um, thank you very much, Mim. And, and what I think what you do, and I've done it myself, is when you aren't doing your best work on your biggest client, which is what you should be doing every single day, because it's the thing that matters, you start playing on the fringes. And we've deluded ourselves creatively um, by winning awards, by doing good creative work, by not, but not on the big things, doing for NGOs, small tactical things, or doing the slice of work on the side of a client versus doing the fundamental big thing that matters. And I don't think we even knew we were doing it over a decade. And we're all involved in it. And me too, as a participant of you know, um, a 400-person agency at one point. And, and, and it's our data around CAN has fooled about our, our genuine creative impact. And I think we should be playing a bigger game. Australia was once the apple of the eye in terms of integration. We're a small market. We're fast. We're agile. We didn't create a line between direct, digital, and brand, because the same people had to do the same work on the client side, because we were multitaskers, and we were the envy of the eye as generalist thinkers and solvers, particularly agency side. An Aussie person can get a job anywhere in New York, LA, London, and now I don't know if they can. Yeah. I don't think we're breeding the next-gen marketers and next-gen agency people, and as a market, we don't have a point of differentiation. But we should be able to, because it's a smaller place. There are big problems. There are less competitors. And I think it's just a matter of agencies have got to focus on real business problems and putting their best, not the best people, their real energy on the client's biggest problems. I think the client's got to be smarter strategically, do the due diligence of laying those problems up with their exec and their board and allowing creativity to flourish, blossom, instead of reducing it to a short-term tactical shelf life of a marketing campaign. And if we can't solve that, and I don't have the answer. Oh, it's gone again. <laughs> Sorry. We need to stick it but I will just like hand, my hand will hand go like that. <laughs> then I don't agent. know what, I think we have to solve that as an industry. Otherwise, we're going to keep going backwards. Um, and and does, that, does that involve having lasting relationships with your clients and kind of letting them, as you kind of said, upstream? Because Mim, you have had a pretty consistent roster since since you came in. You mm. pitched the media when, when you came in and, and, and moved that, but you have had a consistent relationship with those two other agencies since then, and you've even kind of almost made that even more clear recently when you moved the production away and you kind of said to your creative agencies, my understanding of it is mm. this is exactly what I want you to do, so deliver that. 
Yeah. Um, we have Leos and Ogilvy uh, have been consistent throughout my tenure, absolutely. We did consolidate down. We were with some other Tier 1 agencies. There was four across the Eastern Seaboard, and in my view, that was inefficient and not delivering the best result for us. Um, but I didn't pitch out the creative. Um, we consolidated knowing the relationships that we had and, and sometimes we moved brands around. Um, but yeah, um, look, Leo's and Ogilvy are an extension of our team and they're a really important business partner um, and we treat them as such. So they sit in our quarterly strategy sessions, they hear the same business updates as my team hears. Um, so they really are integral and, and part, of, part of our team. Um, I, I think um, w w one thing I would say is they're consistent. I think you, w what we were talking about before, you know, I, I want them to understand the business strategy um, and then the brand strategy to be able to respond to the briefs appropriately to get to great work. Um, and f from my perspective, um, to do that, there has to be consistency and trust and a, and a strong relationship. Um, and that sometimes takes a bit of time to build. Um, so for me, that consistency of partners is really important. But at the same time, I've got a portfolio of nine brands. So I don't want to get shackled to only one agency or only one creative partner. I want to have some choices. But we constantly look at our model, our partner model, and look at how can we innovate, how can we evolve to create more effectiveness and better business outcomes and brand outcomes. So yes, we, we have recently um, changed and evolved the model um, to build a centralised production hub with Hogarth. For us, that was enabling us to build more capability, uh, to deliver better effectiveness. Um, uh, and again, you know, the value that I get from Ogilvy and Leo's is their strategic firepower and their creative ideas. Yeah. Um, and centralising production made sense for us in our model. Might not be for everyone, but for our requirements, you know, my requirements are going to be different to a, a single brand fashion online retailer, yeah. right? Um, so I think it's important to recognise that too. I don't think there's a one model fits everyone scenario. So what, what would be a marker of success or failure for you with your agency partners that I guess would take you to think, well, now might actually be the time to, to change things up? Uh, if we're not getting to great creative, um, ultimately. And you don't, you don't get to it first time every time, right? Sometimes it takes us six months to get the work right. Um, but if every brief was taking me nine months and I was still getting to mediocrity, you know, time's up. <laughs> and Nick, how incumbent do you think that is to really get your partners inside the business and, uh, as we said, upstream and actually kind of fully understanding the nuts and bolts of, of how that relationship works and what they want to deliver? Um, I sort of cut it two ways. If I look through an agency's lens, an agency, okay, the, the right agency with the good talent that are curious and are doing things for the right reasons, and that I wouldn't apply to all. Um, they're curious human beings. They want to know more. And I know for myself, the best work I've ever done in my life hasn't come from a marketing brief. It's not a reflection on marketing. It's come from walking the halls with someone like Mim, hearing you have a conversation with the head of sales or the head of technology or the head of whatever it might be in an organization, and you get a little soundbite and you go, wow. That's it. I was on a, we had, when I was at Colenso BBDO, we had Volkswagen, and it's a privilege to work on a brand like Volkswagen. And we we're on a global call. They let us into, I think they let all their agency partners on their global innovation call, which is um, set to all their execs all around the world. And the head of innovation had this beautiful quote. Um, said, we don't need safer cars, we need safer drivers. And it was around safe driving. 
that was like the gift you can never get. And it's not a marketing reflection, it's just with that led to speed dial, and I'm not gonna get into what speed dial is, some of you may know about it, but it was essentially, actually I will explain the idea, but um, we came up with an idea where you could draw on the speed dial a message from your child or your loved one, was essentially to slow down. So it was a behavior change strategy to change your behavior at the moment and have a trigger, because you look at your speed dial several hundred if not thousands times a day while you're driving. And there was a whole sales mechanism was gonna go up the line and be part of Volkswagen's global rollout. The global emissions crisis um, issue came up and that was part for a little while, but you hear insights like that and you're going, wow, but if you're not let into a business, you don't get that mm. thing and you don't get the chance to ask questions from people and try and solve problems. And the bigger problem you're trying to solve, and you connect, connect that with a beautiful creative idea, it's magic. And sometimes the best creative ideas don't have a home to go because they don't know where to put them. It doesn't make them wrong, but you can ladder them up. And, um, and, and it's the way it should work. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some agencies like to sit back, some like to lean forward. The good agencies will try and get into an organization the great clients will let them in. And you've got a beautiful partnership. But I think Mim's point is right. You, the longer you work with people in an organizational environment where love and trust can exist, the better the work's going to be. And the better the work, the more effective it's going to be, the more effective it's going to be. It's a beautiful cycle. Marketing the agencies get more respect, kudos, and go further upstream. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point, right? It's the trust and the relationship that you build over time. Um, because, you know, I, I talked about bringing, you know, my agency partners upstream in, into the strategy sessions and them getting the same information. Th there's a very intentional reason why we do that, because it is just as incumbent on the clients, if not more so, to create the relationship in the environment to help the agency succeed and flourish, right? You, you can't just throw a brief in an agency and expect greatness. It's built on trust, knowledge, time, relationships. Um, so I think, you know, clients have a huge accountability in the the work that they receive. And then on the, the other side, you could very well bring an agency into your business and expose them to absolutely everything, but mm -hmm. then they need the capability to then deliver on mm -hmm. that as well. Mm -hmm. Nick, I think you said that agencies in Australia have been less, uh, well, less equipped than they ever have been strategically to deliver what clients need. How do you think we turn the tide on that? I also think there's a danger. and. I look at the growth of independence, particularly the growth of small independence, creative independence in Australia, I think it's so exciting. And there's three or four that, you know, I should name check. Bear Meets Eagle on Fire is a good one. Um, look at what Special are doing, uh, Little Company Able, there's lists. And it, they've got all the, f everything ahead of themselves, but they're not overextending themselves where their strategic capability starts and stops. And they're sort of controlling themselves within the I'd say pure, wonderful creative expression space. Now, I think the danger is, it's when you say you can do everything and talk about end-to-end -end strategy from business strategy going up the line to consultancies through to deep customer understanding to, to brand strategy and everything else, it's not physically possible for them to be able to do it. So if you're a great brand agency, and there are those out there, don't be a brand agency that un only can communicate brand through comms. Be a brand agency that understands everything strategically relevant to a client's business and how brand can be enterprise-wide and support the innovation team and R&D team, support the customer experience team, to support the delivery team to create the best brand experiences. Now, they might not have to make it all, but they have a chance to work with you know, great CMOs 
in being, you know, um, being the front of that orchestra, the conductor for that orchestra, versus channeling all their energy into just thinking of the comms. And I think that would be the, the piece that I'd sort of challenge. And I think there aren't enough agencies. I think the, the provocation we talked about a few weeks ago is too much strategy in an agency spent post-rationalizing the work versus actually driving the strategic agenda, taking that enterprise-wide, getting businesses to sell in, and then using that as a power base to do extraordinary work. Um, and I think that shift, both clients paying a little bit more for really good strategy people and great strategy departments, and also agencies actually putting their strategy people um, to do the right work at the right time, there's a balance of the two. What's your take on that, Mim? Um, well, I, I think, as I've said, you know, I, I agree with all of those points. Um, I think that the agency landscape and the value that agencies bring, it's shifting, it's variable, depending on who you're working with. Um, as I said before, for me, my creative agencies, you know, they deliver great value in terms of creative strategy and, and ideas, and, and that's the role that I want them to play. Um, in terms of sort of the enterprise-wide piece, um, I don't know, again, it's sort of challenging for me to reflect on other organisations um, because my experience as a CMO and as a client is, is Suncorp-based. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm very fortunate in that the way we engage with our leadership team, our peers, et cetera, is that marketing's very much seen as a growth driver in the organisation. And um, I have a seat at the leadership table where we develop the business strategy. So um, w when you have that seat at the table, it's easier to understand, live, breathe, execute on a business strategy that you've not just bought into, but you've helped create um, to then filter that down to your teams and your agency partners. And when you look at your role in the organisation that way, it's easier to create work that I think you've called it enterprise-wide, um, where the whole organisation buys into it and also rallies around it. So, you know, again, the one house example, you know, products were created and developed to support um, that, that activity. Um, so I think, for me, again, it kind of ladders back up to what's your role in business strategy? And now, I'd be interested in getting both of your perspectives on this. Uh, Mim, first of all, how do you think the, the CMO role is evolving and it's mm -hmm. increasingly becoming more complex? And what do you think those kind of added expectations are? Yeah, uh, look, it's evolving really quickly and the expectations are too, but you've got to think about the context that the role operates in, right? Where the technology is changing faster than ever before. Customer expectations are changing faster than ever before. Um, our macro environment, economic environment, up, down, all around. Uh, you know, it's, it's changing in such a manner that we've never seen before in terms of the pace of change. And like anything, the, the, the context around you, you have to take into account in the role. So the CMO role is changing. The expectations are high. Um, you're expected to know a lot more about a lot of things. But I think that's an opportunity. That gives you an opportunity to grow your scope and your influence and your impact more broadly in the organisation. And I think if you don't see it as an opportunity and grow your your team's capability, your own knowledge base, your own sphere of influence, 
then you'll make the role redundant yourself. And, you know, I, I know which one I'd prefer, redundant, grow change fast. I know, it, <laughs> I know which one I'd prefer, but I think it's a great opportunity. It gives CMOs the, the chance to have more sphere of influence in their organisation. And Nick, you're constantly going into the executive rooms and uh, in the boardrooms. Where, where do you think that CMO role really fits in now? Um, Mim and I were having a DNM about this beforehand, and we're 100% aligned on where the potential is. Mm. Sometimes I think we're agreed on it's heartbreaking when it doesn't happen. To have, to, when I, I spend more of my time not talking to marketers, but I want to have a better balance. And when we're in major projects with hundreds of millions, if not more than that, uh, they're going to be invested in technology, and I've said this a few times, but you know, technology is a leveler or an accelerator at best. It's not a differentiator, and it's a good place to hide if you don't want to be strategic um, at times. So to think that some of those conversations I've had in major organizations and someone who doesn't represent brand, they could be a chief customer officer, chief marketing officer, or an executive who believes, loves, and cherishes brand, not in the room from a view, having a customer view, and having a brand view, that worries me because marketing should be the heart and the pulse of both brand and customer and be in those rooms. And I think that's a scary future if they're not. I think it's a much harder answer of how we get them back up there. And I see part of my role is to put, help marketers, put marketing and marketing directors or CCOs now, whatever, you know, um, back on a pedestal because innovative thinking through brand and creativity is the only way to differentiate innovate and genuinely grow and it's an amazing skill. I think the hard thing, I don't think any one person could be a complete T-shaped marketing CMO anymore because there's about 20 job titles underneath it and the art of the great CMO is the person that can work out where their strengths are, deep dive on them, not try to spread themselves too thin and hire extraordinary talented people mm. that cover their blind spot, that have all the capabilities they don't and nurture a deeply collaborative team so that your team underneath you has an end-to-end -end view of marketing and branding and, um, and then again, comes down to great talent, creating an amazing culture mm. and being able to grow and take that story up. But I th the thing I would encourage marketers and agencies in the industry to do, we spent 10 years obsessing over customer and it's completely removed the dialogue around brand and differentiation. I think we've got two roles, as I, I know I do, and I think all CMOs do. Your role, and this is horizon one, is to make customers more valuable for brands. But big picture, you've got to make brands more valuable for customers, and we've forgotten the latter. And it's a lesson that a decade of emerging industry people, both marketing and agency, have forgotten. And the two go hand in hand. They are not. They cannot be separate. Nick, we, at the top of this session, I kind of introduced where you are now as one of the great disruptors in the industry. How much do you think what, for example, Deloitte Digital is doing is a result of what creative agencies or traditional agencies are not delivering? And how far do you think potentially an outlet like, well, a company like Deloitte Digital will further encroach on that? Um, if I was look, let's look at the agencies because, again, I don't want. I, I may work in consulting now, but the thread is creativity and creative problem solving, and that hasn't changed. The world got complicated, and the networks 
found it hard to evolve at the same pace, and technology became an area where people were starting to spend money. Consultancies are very good at solving client problems and finding ways to connect those problems and deeply integrate themselves into clients' businesses. It's what they do, and if the marketing budget is gonna be a large part of any client spend, and they can be able to play upstream in it and play some smart moves downstream, they're gonna enter into that space. But it was the technology space they entered, and then you can't separate marketing and technology now, so that's a completely blurred line. Mm. If we went back 10 years ago, and we all had a crystal ball, and none of us do, and hindsight's a gift, some of the networks would have doubled down and spent more time genuinely removing themselves from execution, certainly removing their financial dependency from execution. Look what you've done with the mm. you know, uh, connected production house. Working out how they could be more strategic from a business perspective, not try and be a consultant. They can't, they're not, but play to their strengths and, and double down that and actually genuinely having a far greater understanding of how creative thinking, not just comms, could expand into tech and influence that way, and they didn't, and they haven't done it. I think the counterbalance, of, I don't, and I don't think it's uh, consultancies are eating agencies' lunch. I think it's actually the independents. So I'm going. I think the explosion of independents, small, talented, brilliant teams. Um, you know, a client now, if they wanted to, and there are some which you know I can't name, but you know who exactly I'm talking about, can go and find one creative person that they adore and respect. I think that person's a genius and give them one third of an agency's budget and that person can then build a micro little team around them to do extraordinary work because it's the stories and systems thinking. You don't need 300 people now to be a brilliant storyteller. You do need 300 or more people to be a brilliant systems thinking and that's why clients are taking things in-house. Um, small independent like creative satellites are growing at pace and consultancies have started to get in from business transformation into brand transformation and that layer. And we've got the technology capability to deliver at extraordinary scale and pace cost effectively. Mm. And you sort of look at that, there isn't a lot, that space is getting small. So if you're not really, really creative and brilliant, mm. there isn't a role, role yeah. in that mm. space. Mm. You sure you don't wanna say who you were referring to there? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mim, how, how, do you, how, how reliant do you think, um, I know we kind of talked about how not often the work comes from the brief, but how does that ever come into consideration from you that you think, oh, I might have delivered a really bad brief and therefore the resulting work might be, might be on me, or conversely? Um, oh, well, again, I think the strategy has to inform the brief. Um, and then the, the brief inspires the work. Um, and so if, if you haven't got the brief right, then you're not going to get the work that you want and um, you shouldn't expect an agency to solve your lack of strategy through creative because that's mm. where you're just going to spin wheels. I can hear somebody giggling at that. <laughs> um, that's where you're going to spin wheels, right? So it's not the, it's not the way to get to, to brilliant and impactful work. Um, is is my view on on that. What was your question? Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Then with the giggle, sorry. <laughs> I can't remember. It was uh, about briefing the agencies. How incumbent that is on you. And the, oh, very. The oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So we had an example where um, we had a, a brand briefing and we couldn't crack it. And you know, I've got two agencies. So you know, I said I said to the agency that was struggling with it, let's give the other one a crack and see see what they come up with. 
Um, and at the same time, I was looking at the brief going, is there something missing? Is there something we haven't done? Like the first thing I said to the team was, we've got to look at this brief and make sure that the brief's okay. I really genuinely thought the brief was all right and the other agency cracked it in like, you know, two weeks. Yeah. So the brief was okay. And, and this is, that was my point before. I also think clients, like creativity, um, it's, it's not a, a recipe with measured elements in it, right? Like sometimes you crack it really quick and sometimes it takes time. The brief is the foundation that has to be right. The strategy and the brief. The strategy's got to be clear, concise. The brief has to do the same thing and be inspiring. But that doesn't always mean your agency's going to crack it in a week, first time, every time. Like, it's, it's, it's not, that's not what creativity yeah. is. Um, so that, that was our experience. If it's taking too long and, and, and we're stuck, that's why I like having two agencies, right? Because, you know, it, we, we share the load. Um, and we do it very respectfully as, as, a, um, as a team, as a, some people call it a village. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that the brief is really, really important. If you're not getting the work, you should challenge your own brief and question if the brief's right. Um, in that instance, the brief, the brief was okay. It was just a bit of a, a, a challenge at one point in time for, for one of the team. Um, but, yeah, the, the brief's got to be right. And uh, I hate to put you on the spot here, Mim, but um, there's been Suncorp in the news this week with a, a potential deal. Was that, does that come into the strategy at all? Are you, are you privy to those discussions and how does that play out? <laughs> God, you're a cheeky bugger. <laughs> I told you already I'm not talking about that, so no comment. Fair enough, fair enough. Nice try though. Yeah, well. <laughs> 10 points for trying. Um, <clears throat> okay, so we're, we're almost out of time here. Um, I feel like maybe some of the, 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 the conversation here has maybe been uh, negatively posed to you. Um, what is kind of, what's, the, what's the, 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 I guess, on the horizon or what in, is inspiring you about what you're seeing in the market going forward? Oh, gosh, that's a big question. Um, well, first of all, I hope the outtake hasn't been negative. I hope that outtake no, has not. been, um, from my perspective, how highly valued my agency partners are yeah. and how important creativity is and marketing is to um, the organisation that I'm in. Um, so I see it all as incredibly positive. Um, and I, I agree with a, a, a point Nick made before. I genuinely believe that creativity is the last standing competitive advantage. Um, and you need great people and great thinking to enable that and to bring it to life. But I think that's what's exciting about our job. If we get creativity amplified in, in everything that we do, if we think about our organisation's purpose, the value that we're trying to create for customers, bring creativity to that, to that lens, um, then we can do really phenomenal things that have a profound impact on... I always think about what's the impact we're, we're creating through our brands for customers and communities. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of value that we as marketers and creative, the creative community, there's a lot that we can add, uh, a lot of problems we can solve, a lot of value we can bring. So I think it's incredibly exciting. Nick? Um, the first bit's gonna be negative, but for a positive, and there's about 10 people that know me here maybe. Um, I'm quite blunt with my opinions, but I am actually optimistic. So uh, look, I think the industry's at the 11th hour it's lost a few heroes, it's lost its way, it, and branding has become homogenized and similar and dull. 
and experiences across every bank, every telco, every grocery chain, it, you could like close your eyes and it's the same thing. So that's the uncomfortable position, but I think the most extraordinary magic happens when you have to do something. And I think, again, I'm not pointing a finger, I'm pointing a finger at myself and everyone else uh, in this industry. I think we've got a chance to change it up now because what's worked or hasn't arguably worked in the last five years has to change. And it's not or, it's probably and. Inject better ideas, look for bolder plays. And bold, I don't want to say risky because I don't think it should be a risk. I think it should be intuitively bold, differentiated moves. And there are so many creative people in this country. We're losing too many to New York, London, San Francisco, Madrid, wherever. Um, we can't afford to do that. We'll just play a bigger game, ask bigger questions, find a way to differentiate. And I think the chief executives, the boards, the executives are now seeing their numbers not grow substantially enough by playing the same game as their competitive set. And I think that will create, if we're smart, a wonderful new environment where creativity is more than comms. Creativity is a beautiful canvas we can all paint on. And I think it's also beholden on us to make everybody feel creative. The deep technologist that's designing something, they're as creative as the art director, designer, or, or copywriter, the client who's come up with a revolutionary new thought, they're as creative as an agency. Um, I think we're all in the business of creativity, and if we do that, we'll help all the businesses we work with pioneer, push forward, and instead of 16 lines next year, it'd be wonderful to sit here and go, there were 34, and next year there's 56, and instead of worrying whether your competition made one more or less, if the net benefit of all of our industry growing and getting recognized for change, then we grow together. Mm. Instead of competing with each other, I think the opportunity is to grow together as an industry that believes in creativity. And I'm, I, think, I think we can do it. Nice to end on that positive note. <laughs> well, thank you so much, both of you, for joining me. Please, uh, please join me in thanking Mim and Nick. Fantastic. Thank you. And that's it for this Mumbrella Cast live special. We'll be back on Thursday on the normal schedule, so we will see you then. 